Hello, hello, and welcome to day 114 of Bible in a Year with Bill. It is April 25th, and today we're starting in the book of Judges. I think that's the sixth book in the Old Testament. We're going to read Judges chapters 1 to 3, and then we're going to finish off today's reading with Psalm 69, verses 1 to 18. So let's get right into it today. The Book of Judges, Chapter 1 A time came after the death of Joshua when the people of Israel asked God, Who will take the lead in going up against the Canaanites to fight them? And God said, Judah will go. I've given the land to him. The men of Judah said to those of their brother Simeon, Go up with us to our territory, and we'll fight the Canaanites. Then we'll go with you to your territory. And Simeon went with them. So Judah went up. God gave them the Canaanites and the Perizzites. They defeated them at Bezek, ten military units. They caught up with my master Bezek there and fought him. They smashed the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My master Bezek ran, but they gave chase and caught him. They cut off his thumbs and big toes. My master Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to crawl under my table, scavenging. Now God has done to me what I did to them. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The people of Judah attacked and captured Jerusalem, subduing the city by sword and then sending it up in flames. After that, they had gone down to fight the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev, and the foothills. Judah had gone on to the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba and brought Shishai, Ahiham, and Talmai to their knees. From there they had marched against the population of Debir. Debir used to be called Kiriath Sefer. Caleb had said, Whoever attacks Kiriath Sefer and takes it, I'll give my daughter Aksa to him as his wife. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave him his daughter Aksa as his wife. When she arrived, she got him to ask for farmland from her father. As she dismounted from her donkey, Caleb asked her, What would you like? She said, Give me a marriage gift. You've given me desert land. Now give me pools of water. And he gave her the upper and the lower pools. The people of Hobab, the Kenite, Moses' relative, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms to the wilderness of Judah at the descent of Arad. They settled down there with the Amalekites. The people of Judah went with their kin, the Simeonites, and struck the Canaanites who lived in Zephath. They carried out the holy curse and named the city Town. But Judah didn't manage to capture Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron with their territories. God was certainly with Judah in that they took over the hill country, but they couldn't oust the people on the plain because they had iron chariots. They gave Hebron to Caleb as Moses had directed. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. But the people of Benjamin couldn't get rid of the Jebusites living in Jerusalem. Benjaminites and Jebusites live side by side in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph went up to attack Bethel. God was with them. Joseph sent out spies to look the place over. Bethel used to be known as Luz. The spies saw a man leaving the city and said to him, Show us a way into the city and we'll treat you well. The man showed them a way in. They killed everyone in the city but the man and his family. The man went to Hittite country and built a city. He named it Luz. That's its name to this day. But Manasseh never managed to drive out Beth Shan, Tanakh, Dor, Iblium, and Megiddo with their territories. The Canaanites dug in their heels and wouldn't budge. When Israel became stronger, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they never got rid of them. 
Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. The Canaanites stuck it out and lived there with them. Nor did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites in Kitron or Nahalal. They kept living there, but they were put to forced labor. Nor did Asher drive out the people of Akko, Sidon, Alab, Akzib, Helba, Aphek, and Rehob. Asher went ahead and settled down with the Canaanites since they could not get rid of them. Naphtali fared no better. They couldn't drive out the people of Beth Shemeth or Beth Anath, so they just moved in and lived with them. They did, though, put them to forced labor. The Amorites pushed the people of Dan up into the hills and wouldn't let them down on the plains. The Amorites stubbornly continued to live in Mount Heres, Aijalon, and Shelbim. But when the house of Joseph got the upper hand, they were put, they were put to forced labor. The Amorite border extended from Scorpion's Pass and Selah upward. Judges chapter 2 God's angel went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you out of Egypt. I led you to the land that I promised to your fathers. And I said, I'll never break my covenant with you. Never. And you're never to make a covenant with the people who live in this land. Tear down their altars. But you haven't obeyed me. Why? What's this that you're doing? So now I'm telling you that I won't drive them out before you. They'll trip you up and their gods will become a trap. When God's angel had spoken these words to all the people of Israel, they cried out, Oh, how they wept! They named the place Bochim, which means weepers, and, they were sac and there they sacrificed to God. After Joshua had dismissed them, the people of Israel went off to claim their allotted territories and take possession of the land. The people worshipped God throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the time of the leaders who survived him, leaders who had been on all of God's great work that he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of God, died. He was 110 years old. They buried him in his allotted inheritance at timnath Heres in the hills of Ephraim, north of Mount Geash. Eventually, that entire generation died and was buried. Then another generation grew up that didn't know anything of God or the work he had done for Israel. The people of Israel did evil in the God's sight. They served Baal gods. They deserted God, the God of their parents who had led them out of Egypt. They took up with other gods, gods of the peoples around them. They actually worshipped them. And oh, how they angered God as they, they worshipped God, Baal, and goddess Astarte. God's anger was hot against Israel. He handed them off to plunderers who stripped them. He sold them cheap to enemies on all sides. They were helpless before their enemies. Every time they walked out the door, God was with them, but for evil. Just as God had said, just as he had sworn he would do, they were in a bad way. But then God raised up judges who saved them from their plunderers. But they wouldn't listen to their judges. They prostituted themselves to other gods, worshipped them. They lost no time leaving the road walked by their parents, the road of obedience to God's commands. They refused to have anything to do with it. When God was setting up judges for them, he would be right there with the judge. He would save them from their enemies' oppression as long as the judge was alive. For God was moved to compassion when he heard their groaning because of those who afflicted and beat them. But when the judge died, the people went right back to their old ways, but even worse than their parents, running after other gods, serving and worshipping them. Stubborn as mules, they didn't drop a single evil practice. And God's anger blazed against Israel. He said, Because these people have thrown out my covenant that I commanded their parents and haven't listened to me, I'm not driving out one more person from the nations that Joshua left behind when he died. I'll use them to test Israel and see whether they stay on God's road and walk down it as their parents did. 
That's why God let those nations remain. He didn't drive them out or let Joshua get rid of them. Judges chapter 3 These are the nations that God left there, using them to test the Israelites who had no experience in the Canaanite wars. He did it to train the descendants of Israel, the ones who had no battle experience in the art of war. He left the five Philistine tyrants, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites living on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to Hamath's Pass. They were there to test Israel and see whether they would obey God's commands that they were given to their parents through Moses. But the people of Israel made themselves at home among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They married their daughters and gave their own daughters to their sons in marriage, and they worshipped their gods. The people of Israel did evil in God's sight. They forgot their God and worshipped the Baal gods and Asherah goddesses. God's hot anger blazed against Israel. He sold them off to Cusheth Rishathaim, king of Aram Nahariam. The people of Israel were in servitude to Cushan Rishathaim for eight years. The people of Israel cried out to God, and God raised up a savior who rescued them, Caleb's nephew, Othniel, son of his younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of God came on him, and he rallied Israel. He went out to war, and God gave him Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Nahariam. Othniel made short work of him. The land was quiet for forty years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. But the people of Israel went back doing evil in God's sight. So God made Eglon, king of Moab, a power against Israel because they did evil in God's sight. He recruited the Ammonites and Amalekites and went out and struck Israel. They took the city of Palms. The people of Israel were in servitude to Eglon fourteen years. The people of Israel cried out to God, and God raised up for them a savior, Ehud, son of Gera, a Benjaminite. He was left-handed. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, king of Moab. Ehud made himself a short, two-edged sword and strapped it on his right thigh under his clothes. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Eglon was grossly fat. After Ehud finished presenting the tribute, he went a little way with the men who had carried it. But when he got as far as the stone images near Gilgal, he went back and said, I have a private message for you, O king. The king told his servants, leave. They all left. Ehud approached him. The king was now quite alone in his cool rooftop room and said, I have a word of God for you. Eglon stood up from his throne. Ehud reached with his left hand and took his sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's king's big belly. Not only the blade, but the hilt went in. The fat closed in over it so he couldn't pull it out. Ehud slipped out by way of the porch and shut and locked the doors of the rooftop room behind him. Then he was gone. When the servants came, they saw with surprise that the doors to the rooftop were locked. They said, he's probably relieving himself in the restroom. They waited, and then they worried. No one was coming out of those locked doors. Finally, they got a key and unlocked them. There was their master, fallen on the floor, dead. While they were standing around and wondering what to do, Ehud was long gone. He got past the stone images and escaped to Sirah. When he got there, he sounded the trumpet on Mount Ephraim. The people of Israel came down from the hills and joined him. He took his place at their head. He said, follow me, for God has given your enemies, yes, Moab, to you. They went down after him and secured the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites. They let no one cross over. At that time, they struck down about ten companies of Moabites, all of them well-fed and robust. 
Not one escaped. That day Moab was subdued under the hand of Israel. The land was quiet for eighty years. Shamgar, son of Anath, came after Ehud. Using a cattle prod, he killed six hundred Philistines single-handed. He, too, saved Israel. Psalm chapter 69, verses 1 to 18. This is a David psalm. God, God, save me. I'm in over my head. Quicksand under me, swamp water over me. I'm going down for the third time. I'm hoarse from calling for help, bleary-eyed from searching the sky for God. I've got more enemies than hairs on my head. Sneaks and liars are out to knife me in the back. What I never stole must I now give back. God, you know every sin I've committed. My life's a wide-open book before you. Don't let those who, ho- who look to you and hope be discouraged by what happens to me, dear Lord, God of the armies. Don't let those out looking for you come to a dead end by following me. Please, dear God of Israel. Because of you, I look like an idiot. I walk around ashamed to show my face. My brothers shun me like a bum off the street. My family treats me like an unwanted guest. I love you more than I can say. Because I'm madly in love with you, they blame me for everything they dislike about you. When I poured myself out in prayer and fasting, all it got me was more contempt. When I put on a sad face, they treated me like a clown. Now drunks and gluttons make up drinking songs about me. And me? I pray. God, it's time for a break. God, answer in love. Answer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the swamp. Don't let me go under for good. Pull me out of the clutch of the enemy. This whirlpool is sucking me down. Don't let the swamp be my grave. The black hole swallow me. Its jaws clenched around me. Now answer me, God, because you love me. Let me see your great mercy full face. Don't look the other way. Your servant can't take it. I'm in trouble. Answer right now. Come close, God. Get me out of here. Rescue me from this death trap. A new generation of Israelites had neglected their relationship with God. They did not see God's hand at work like their parents had. When they turned away from God, God disciplined them. Failing to teach our children to love and obey God will bring disaster on them. Have you ever thought about what you are going to leave behind when you die? Most people think in terms of possessions, property, money, stocks and bonds, and so forth. But let's think in terms of what kind of spiritual heritage, what kind of lifestyle, what kind of understanding of who God is, and what the scriptures say will be your legacy. You may say, wait a minute, you can't give someone else your faith. That is something everyone has to experience on a personal basis. You can't really give your faith away. You cannot give away your experience, I admit. But you can hand down your faith. You can leave your sense of moral values, your understanding of the principles of Scripture, those principles of the Word of God that have guided you and led you as you make your decisions in life. If you are a godly parent, look at what you have to give to your children. You may not be able to leave them even a small amount of money. But if you have loved God and practiced the principles of Scripture, if you have loved your children and listened to them, You will leave them a faith to sustain them through every difficulty, every heartache, and every trial trial of life. 
My challenge to you is to build a strong Christian home. If you will purpose to do so, you will keep your kids on your team. Pray daily with your children and discipline them. Speak to them from your heart about the Lord. Thank you for being along for the ride here on Bible in a Year with Bill. I'm really looking forward to this book of Judges from the Old Testament. I hope you'll join me again here. Have a great day. Take care now.